is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Uh, we're going to talk to Brian Seaman coming up here momentarily, television voice of the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll get uh, we'll get his uh, opinion on what uh, they're looking for from a Clippers standpoint going into this series. Yeah, it's always interesting to hear a different point of view. And uh, I imagine he might compliment the Jazz. And why wouldn't you? I mean, the Jazz have been really, really good this year, obviously. Yeah, I mean, best record in the league, no doubt. But uh, there's still the Clippers who are, uh, I don't think, the perfectly assembled team. But, man, they have some really um, talented players where it yes. matters, uh-huh. you know, uh, and guys that are willing to play both sides, which, again, is is such a key to me. Like, you don't really have to hide anybody on the Clippers roster. That's true. Every once in a while, someone will go into a bit of a shooting slump. But we saw it in the last two games against the Mavs. Kawhi Leonard absolutely just dominated that game down the stretch. And in, in the next game, and in, in the clincher, Game 7, he was sharing the ball with his teammates, and they were hitting big, big shots. Guys like Morris and... Uh, who else? Uh, who am I forgetting about? Richardson hit, hit a big shot, right? I mean, and, and Paul George played really well. Terrence Mann plays a key Terrence role for them Mann, coming yeah. in off the bench. We heard Quinn Snyder talking about him earlier in the show. Yeah, yeah, they're a good team. Uh, they're they're a uh, a really good team, and they play really good defense, and they make a lot of threes. That's a recipe to win a lot of basketball games, as the Jazz have proven. I almost started to feel sorry for the Mavs toward the end of that game because the Clippers just. Yeah, just put the put the clamp down on them. Yeah, they certainly did. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Uh, he works uh, the television broadcast for the L.A. Clippers. He is Brian Seaman with us here on the Big Show. Brian, thanks for a few minutes. How you doing? I'm doing great, boys. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, we're we're Gordon and I were just talking about how the the Clippers finished off the Mavs in in grand fashion, and seem uh, man that that fourth quarter was uh, about as good as you can play. They seem like they're playing really well. I, for one, did not feel bad for the Mavs. Um, <laughs> I'd say that is just uh, – I'll tell you what, man. Uh, before we talk Clippers, Luka Doncic is unbelievable. And at 22 years old, I mean, you're putting him up there in, as a top five player in the league. He's only going to get better. And he was a scare. Um, and they had all the tools to get it done on, on Sunday. Uh, but the Clippers finally were able to find their shooting touch. That had been missing all throughout the series. And – you know, players that I think are going to be difference makers and how far they go started knocking down shots. So it was a great win for the Clippers. And we get a, a fun rematch from uh, 2017. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't hoping for different results than what we saw four years ago. But it will be. I think it could go the distance and it'd be a coin flip uh, at the finish line. So I have great respect for Utah and how their coach with Quinn Snyder. It's going to be a great series. I think both Jake and I think the Clippers are really good. Could you explain to us why this team, what are the indicators 
other than missed shots when this team doesn't perform the way we kind of think it always should? You know, I think it's hard to tell. You know, to be honest, I think the last 20 games or so, we never really had the full roster. Um, whether and, and I don't think there was any major injuries. It was just, you know, resting here, a turned ankle there. So I think they're still trying to find their groove. The, the, you know, the make-miss league thing is an unfortunate true statement, and I think it will be a true statement in this series for both teams who get most of their offense from outside the painted area. But indicators for me, you know, if we take away that, that make-miss league stuff is how well they defend. And I know Utah is going to bring it every night. I think the Clippers found that gear that they need to defend with uh, against the Mavericks. I'm not saying they didn't have that idea going in, but they found it. And I thought they did a great job, as as good of a job as you can do on a one-man wrecking crew that is Luka Doncic. He was able to get his teammates involved. Um, But the defensive energy and communication, and, and, and to be honest, I never thought I would say this, the game plan. And I'm not one to break down film and say, well, they should have done this or that. But it was very obvious the Clippers were thinking their way through those first two games to the point where Ty Lue said, I'm going, we're going to take several steps back. We're going to downshift and make the defensive plan as simple as we can against Luka and the Mavs. And after that, the Clippers went 4-1 the rest of the way in the series. So finding the, the appropriate game plan, and they'll have some some problematic situations to deal with, like with Rudy Gobert and, of course, Donovan Mitchell and the great shooters that are around it. But to me, the energy and the execution defensively may help them overcome a bad shooting night. So a big theme this year for the Jazz, Brian, is responding to giving up a 3-1 advantage in a playoff series in the bubble to Denver. And uh, the players bring it up often, how that was a a real kind of melding point for them where they came together as a team and said, we're not going to let this happen to us again. And, you know, we've seen them go on and have the best regular season record in the league. And it's been a kind of a central motivating point. The Clippers did the same thing in the next round of the very same Nuggets team, which is just madness. But how how have the Clippers responded to that very same scenario? I actually forgot what happened after game four with that series. I don't know if I blanked out or, or <laughs> in fact, the last time I remember Utah was up three games to one and I forgot what happened at the end of that series. No, um, I, you know, they came back and the thing with the Clippers that I think is different. I think a lot of people want to write the narrative for the Clippers and that goes across the country. It's a good thing to be in the headlines, but I think a lot of people want to make it, you know, something different than what the actual reality could be. So they came into this year and, you know, Pat Beverly was asked, and I thought it was really a, a great answer. He was asked, uh, you know, how long did it take him to get over it? And this was December, so this has been over three months. And he took about four seconds, five seconds to answer the question. And he didn't answer anything. And he said, you know what, I haven't. And I, I think people like Pat Beverly hold on to that angst. I think it's a great thing. I think I look at a, a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who literally just deletes, you know, and moves on. It's, 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 it's a non-factor for his performance. You know, but I think they they were galvanized by it. I think they knew that, you know, the regular season does matter in getting everybody on the right page and finding a chemistry. And, you know, the Clippers had some ups and downs with availability this year. And again, like I said, nothing serious, but it allowed other players to play and find a rhythm. Guys like Reggie Jackson, who was a buyout guy a year ago, he was out of the rotation after 10 games, literally told so hey, you're not going to play, but stay ready. And then an injury happened, he gets in there. And so 
they have found a chemistry that they did not have last year. And I think that's been the big thing that I think we're all looking forward to. We saw it in adverse times against Dallas, down not only 0-2 in the series, but trailing 30-11 to in that game three. I don't think they win that game last year. There's just not enough chemistry. The chemistry, the, the trust, and the connection that these guys have this year, to me, is what separates them from the team a year ago. Brian, you mentioned uh, Rudy and Donovan. Is there a pl- what player on the Jazz worries you as a as a Clippers guy the most? Well, the obvious guys are the ones you mentioned, but let's not forget Joe Ingles, who does a great job defending Paul George. You've got Jordan Clarkson, who's nuclear. You've got uh, you know Bogdanovich, who I love. I thought that was a huge pickup a couple of years ago. And another guy, Mike Conley. I mean, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm good friends with. Uh, some people over uh, with the Jazz. And, and when the Clippers got Kawhi and, and PG, you guys were doing what you guys did with all those players I just named. And I thought, man, this is a conference finals matchup. These two teams could absolutely meet. We were kind of joking around about it. I still feel that way. Unfortunately, we're going to be meeting in the second round. I love the roster, and everyone scares me. Mike Conley's a Clipper killer. We've known Mike Conley for over 10 years, you know, with our former rivalry with the um, the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, uh, Jordan Clarkson is a guy that can put up, you know, 40 points off the bench. So who scares me the most? They all do because the one thing that they all have those players in common is their coach, Quinn Snyder, who I personally think is a top three, and that's conservative, on the sideline in the NBA with the clipboard coming out of a timeout. You give him too much time to prepare for you, you're going to have problems. And, and I feel the same way about Ty Lue, though. I think Ty's a great coach, too. Um, so, I mean, like I said, I mentioned at the start of the show, I mean, I, I have nothing but respect. The key for everybody, obviously, is can they, can they find ways to score with Rudy or can they find a small ball lineup that maybe makes Rudy less relevant uh, than he is every day? That'll be the key for the Clippers, I think, in the series. What's it like to color, uh, cover Kawhi Leonard on a daily basis? Um. Uh, it's, it's interesting. You know, you learn that you're not going to be given, you know, so the, the juxtaposition is um, we'll use Doc Rivers as the coach last year to Ka- Ka- Kawhi Leonard because I didn't have any access uh, this year to players because of our circumstances. And you talk to Doc and you ask him a simple question and he'll find a funny story or a great story that relates to what you're trying to do. You ask Kawhi a similar question. It's, it's literally it's just black and white. And I think he, it's off-putting to some, but I think that's just who he is. He is just a focused person. I do not think he's a, a jerk. Um, I think that can look that way from the outsider's perspective. I just think he's just locked in, and he's just a quiet guy that wants to go about his business. Uh, every once in a while, you'll get a good little comment about another player, and you'll see some rare emotion. And by emotion with Kawhi, I mean he might smile. Um, but after that, you're going to get a guy that can do what he did in this series, which was play as good as I've ever seen anybody, certainly in a Clipper uniform, but uh, from both sides of the basketball, Kawhi was just unbelievable. So it's fun to watch him on the floor. Uh, he is a machine. I really believe that there are some computer parts floating around in there. He just gets the job done, and I just feel like you always have a chance to win when he is playing. So if he's the leader in what he does on the court, who's the emotional leader of that team? Pat Beverly is the emotional leader, and I know we didn't see Pat's name all that much in the first round, but he's the guy that gets everybody going, gets them on the same page. You know, I think he and Avisa Zubac, who is our center, they're good bookends defensively. I think we'll see Pat a lot more in this series than we did against uh, Dallas. So that Pat is the emotional guy. 
Uh, Rajon Rondo is another leader that they have brought in that can help organize and have a real voice in that locker room because he's been there and done that a few times. So I think it's done more by committee. Kawhi is your best player. He leads by example. But you do have voices and emotional leaders that I think have helped the success for this team this year. I was surprised by the Rondo uh, Lou Williams move. Has that made the Clippers better? It's made them infinitely better, and that's no slight to Lou Williams at all. Again, uh, there's no just because you build up a player doesn't mean you're tearing one down. Lou was the guy that was at the end of his contract with the Clippers. I don't think that they were going to pick him up next year, but a lot of the culture changes that we had over the last few years, really dating back to that end of Game 7 of the Utah series, Lou Williams was traded for. Uh, that summer, and he helped restore a, a, a winning culture. And it's because of Lou's work, Pat's work, that you had guys like Kawhi Leonard and uh, Paul George interested in becoming a Clipper. So when you acquire a guy like Rondo, he comes right in. He knows most of your plays as is, but he just orchestrates things, and he's got a vision that few people ever have possessed. And it's just been awesome. He's a playmaker, somewhat muted towards the end of the, the Dallas series. He just wasn't able to find his shot, but he can knock it down. But He's a playmaker like I don't think we've had since Chris Paul, and he's a lot of fun to watch when he's on your team. I know that he can be an irritant, which is, I think, a good thing uh, when he's going up against your team, but Rondo has made a world of difference, especially with that second unit. And then sometimes he'll be meshing into that, that first unit and might be out there to close ball games. I know that Tyloo feels very comfortable with that as well. Brian, obviously the Jazz here in this community are front and center all the time. I wonder sometimes about the Clippers, uh, and maybe the pandemic is hard to tell the progress the Clippers have made as far as market share down there in L.A. Uh, are the Clippers making inroads and, and sort of chipping away at the basketball fan bases down there, or is it a Lakers town and that's just the way it's going to be? It's a Lakers town. It'll probably be that way in, in to, until I'm retired, which I hope is not very soon, but what they are getting, though, is respect, and that was something that was never there. Uh, really, even when we had that Lob City era, you know, our previous owner was not credible. He was not uh, a good human being, and he, we just never made the right decision. And now when Steve Ballmer came in in 2014, if we're being honest, I mean, to me, that's the day one of the organization, and everything they've done from that moment They've done it the right way, not only just on the floor, but within the community, the support that he gives, you know, the outlying areas of rec centers and, and uh, you know, underprivileged kids. But they've started to, to, to build respect, not only there, but on the floor. I think the front office does as good of a job as you could do these last few years, led by Lawrence Frank. But at the end of the day, I mean, look, we can talk about, you know, being part of the community and supporting certain areas. But until you win titles with an S, I mean, it's just going to be in vain. And I think everyone knows that. I will say this. I don't believe becoming L.A.'s team is the goal for this club. It's just about winning as many championships as you can. And they have that window right now. And I think that's what everybody's focused on. And, and down the road, maybe things change. But you got to give credit to the Lakers. I mean, they have had sustained excellence for a handful of decades. They deserve all the love and attention they get. The Clippers are trying to maybe chip away at that, but the only way it works, the only way it works is if you win multiple titles and you are in the conversation more times than not. And they are in the conversation now, and now they've got to figure out a way to win three more rounds. 
You know, the X factor question is such a cliche, but is there a player uh, outside of the big guns that uh, when he's playing well, usually the team's playing well? And the, the real uh, bellwether to me is Marcus Morris Sr. Uh, he's a guy that during the regular season, when he had two or more threes, the Clippers were 32-9. and nine. When he didn't, they were 6-10. and 10. And, you know, he had a great game seven, big reason why. The other guy I pay attention to if I'm a Jazz fan trying to figure out how this series could go would be Terrence Mann. And he's not a guy that his numbers are going to jump off the page, but he brings a ton of energy. It wouldn't surprise me to see him trying to slow down Jordan Clarkson, and Jordan's a great ability to score. Uh, Terrence plays with such great energy. It's contagious. But those are the two guys outside of the big boys that you're talking about that could be X-factors. You know, but you've got your starters like Reggie Jackson that has poured in back-to-back 20-point games for the Clippers when they were facing elimination in a game seven. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on. But those are the two guys that, that jump out to me when you ask that question and when I was looking at stuff that could really be a difference maker. They need Marcus Morris to score. I really believe that if he can get his – just his averages, I think that just lightens the load for Kawhi and PGs that much more. Brian, you mentioned the uh, three-point shooting with uh, both the Jazz and the Clippers. How is uh, how has that evolved with the Clippers? Uh, did Ty Lue does he stress that a lot? I mean, I was I've been impressed with the ball movement and the shooting, and I know it always isn't that way, but it it looks pretty good when it's working. It does. It's a beauty uh, to watch. Yeah, ball movement was key, and and they knew that they were going to have. You know, remember we started the season with Serge Ibaka. I don't know his health situation for this upcoming series, but when we had Serge starting that, you know, in the starting five at the start of the season, he had five players that could hit the three-point shot at 37% or better, and that was a an effort for the Clippers to move the ball and find the shooters, and now they, you know, they went small with Nicholas Batum in that, in that uh, series with the Mavericks, and Batum was terrific, and he can hit the three just like anybody else, so Ball movement is key. When you go up against a great defense like Utah, you've got to try to get them moving from side to side and swing that ball. Uh, You've got to try and find a way to loosen that up, and that's what ball movement can do for the Clippers. They were able to attack on the interior against Dallas because they don't have rim protection. That's the opposite story, obviously, when you go up against Utah. So the Clippers are going to have to figure out a way to move that ball to find the open shooters. Brian, do you expect Rudy Gobert to be able to score uh, uh, maybe above his average against the Clippers, or do you not think it's going to work out that way? It's a great question, uh, and I don't have an answer for you because you know there were times during the Dallas series where the Clippers wanted Luka to score. They wanted him to do that. Um, if you're – you know, if you look at a year ago, let's go back a year ago when Evita Zubats was our starter. Zoo ended up being our starter for the Clippers at the end of the season. But Zoo and Rudy, I thought Zoo did a great job of holding his own against Rudy. They didn't. The series this year is is kind of all over the place. So there's really no barometer to kind of look at it. But we know, at least I do. You know, Rudy is, and I love Donovan Mitchell, but Rudy's the most important player for Utah. I think I think Jazz fans would agree with that. So is there a way to neutralize him? I don't think it's his scoring to me that is so grand. It's this all the other stuff. He's he's a superstar and a film room all-star in one, which you don't necessarily see. You know, Joe Ingles is a film room all-star. Rosa Neal is a film room all-star. But you've got a guy in Rudy Gobert that's an all-star legitimately and always in, in the conversation for postseason awards. How can they how can they neutralize him if it's possible? The only telltale thing that you can look at with this series was the final quarter 
that they both played in, in February uh, here at Staples Center where the Clippers went small in the final quarter and it kind of really it, it did neutralize Rudy and the Clippers were able to really pull away in that victory. I don't know if they can go to it for a full series and find success because you know Quinn Snyder's going to find ways around it. But uh, I, Rudy's scoring to me isn't what scares me. It's all of the other stuff that he gets open shots for Royce O'Neal and for Donovan Mitchell and how he and Mike Conley you know, run the pick and roll together and how they free up everybody else. Rudy's a special player. You guys already know that. And uh, I'm sure he's been keeping the Clipper coaching staff up late at night here the last couple of nights. Well, Brian, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate the insight. And let's hope we're in for a really good series. I feel that we are, boys. Enjoy it. Like I said, I'd be lying to you if I wanted a, if I didn't want a, a different result from what we saw four years ago. But either <laughs> way, it'll be a good one. Have a good one, guys. You too, Brian. Thank you very much. Uh, that's Brian Seaman. He is the uh, television voice of the Los Angeles Clippers, giving us a little perspective on this uh, on the series. You think he'll be traveling? Uh, well, there's there's no local broadcast for the uh, oh, that's second right. round, that's so right. I I'm not sure. I'm sure he'll be following very closely. But I don't know if he'll be uh, traveling for the whole thing. But what do you think? What do you think of the schedule when you saw it? <laughs> boom, skip, boom, skip, boom, skip. <laughs> Not a surprise because they've got to get in before the Olympics. That's right. So they've got to they've got to get this thing moving mm-hmm. because uh, they've they've got a pretty hard and fast deadline. Somebody said that that is the preferred schedule to play a game and then to have a day off and then to play a game, and that's the way it is, as you said, throughout this series. So uh, yeah, I mean. That's what the but, NHL does, and, uh, it, and it keeps it moving. And the NHL is even more physical than the NBA, so you think they guys well, will be able to do it. I mean, the, the, you have to beat each other's brains right. to I mean, keep the game going. Fist fights and all that, it's tough. you got to recover from it. part of the game, right, Gordon? That's self-policing. Uh, but uh, anywho, the NHL, <laughs> I've always thought the, their playoffs clip along a little bit better than— I, I, The NBA playoffs just drag. I'd honestly rather see it every other day going forward. Yeah, I bet they're busy working on trying to get everybody ready to go because uh, once this series starts, I think it will be intense. I think it will be physical, and it's going to take a toll on on whoever wins this thing is going to be, is going to feel it. So let me ask you something um, that that Brian said, and you asked him the question about kind of the the up and down play of the Clippers and a little explanation. He went with he went with schematic. I thought he would talk about maybe something on the mental side, but well, that, he he said they had trouble uh, reacting to what the Mavericks were doing. It almost seems as though they're trying to downplay the mental thing. I wonder, but I I didn't expect him to go that direction, and I thought was that well he would not. I mean he's watching this, he's digesting it up close. Well, the reports that we heard coming out of L.A. is it was not a pretty picture. It just was so hit and miss. You know what I mean? It was. It didn't feel like they figured something out in Game 3. It felt like they got off the bus. <laughs> okay. Whereas in Games 1 and 2, it just wasn't there. Kawhi was m- making it happen, and maybe you know it was too much. Maybe he was too focused on getting himself going and the rest. But th- th- they didn't play defense. And they maybe that, it and was that, that may be the most shocking thing of all. Right, and maybe it was they didn't scheme well enough for Luka. Maybe that was an issue. But well, I, they figured it out. And I don't expect... Uh, I don't expect any lackluster performance from the Clippers. It, if it happens, maybe we won't be surprised because we've seen it before. But I wouldn't expect that in this series. I think, 
I think the Jazz are going to have to fight through one heck of a team. I can't think of a series that would be more intriguing than this one. It's going to be good. I think so too. I mean, I you know we saw what we saw out of the Suns against the Jazz, and that would be a challenge for them. But uh, of all the series, of all the scenarios, I find this one about as interesting as it can get. Well, it's the uh, uh, you know. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, these superstars that team up to form, I don't know if you want to call the Clippers a super team, but kind of, right? And, and then, then you, the other guys are talented too. So. But yeah, then you have the Jazz who are young and upcoming and and play a different style that's very uh, you know, team-oriented. And uh, you know they have a unique superstar in Rudy Gobert that makes them unique defensively. It's almost like they're not an underdog uh, by the standard of the Magic Predicting Wizard in Vegas, but they kind of are. They are, but they aren't. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. And this is part of what I wrote about. You can check out my column at sltrib.com if you want. But it's the whole idea that the Clippers kind of had complementary players. And then before last season, they went out and they scored big with Kawhi Leonard. And Paul George wanted to play with Kawhi, right? And so they signed two of the best, maybe. Uh, well, Kawhi Leonard, I don't know where you're putting him these days, but he's top three. I think so. People so, probably argue that, but I think so. He is so good. And they signed him, and, and it was all sort of conspiratorial. You know, Paul George wanted to play with him. And so they get both of these guys, boom, into L.A. And the Jazz, what do they do? They go through the process. They draft Donovan Mitchell. They didn't draft Rudy Gobert, but they essentially did. So they they draft and develop their superstar players. And here are the Clippers, and then they added complementary guys. They add in Mike Conley, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, and uh, develop some of the other guys. Uh, They bring in Jordan Clarkson. And with the Clippers, it was the exact opposite. They brought in the heart and soul of their team, are the best players by far. And the Jazz, well, they use their acumen to develop these guys and to pick them. And so there really are, there's this dichotomy. Uh, kind of an old school, teams. new school yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It makes it interesting. I I, I 100% agree. I think we're in for a, a really good series. want to remind you about our friends at Jerry Signer Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac at Jerry Signer Cadillac. You can shop your way and get a piece of luxury that you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. Jerry Siner, Cadillac. More Big Show uh, coming up next. Uh, Chris Mannix at 4, Coach Chies at 4.30, George Niang at 5. Busy day right here on the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point belt. All right, on to the second round for the Utah Jazz. They will take on the Los Angeles Clippers starting here at Vivint Arena coming up. Tomorrow night, Boyan Bogdanovich talked about the Jazz ready to go with or without Mike Conley. I mean, we've been playing last last 15, 20 games without without him and Donovan, so we kind of will be figure out how to play. We know that it's not same. It's not same without without Mike that we're gonna we're gonna need to make some some adjustment. But but it's next man up. I think we have enough quality to to overcome that. Even even like I said, it's gonna be. We're gonna really, really miss him if, if he if he won't play. Game one tomorrow night, Vivint Arena tip off coming your way at eight o'clock. Pre-game coverage from the Plaza out front 
of Vivint Arena starts at 7. This update brought to you by Mountain Land Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you, mountainland.com. It's the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, you said something in the last segment that uh, I found interesting. Is the Jazz, is the Jazz Clippers the best second-round playoff series? I mean, of, of course, we'll see how it goes. We well, don't know for sure. But, uh, you know, kind of looking at the matchups, is it is it the uh, most uh, intriguing one? Maybe you could point to Nets-Bucks. Uh, yeah, probably Nets-Bucks. That is pretty good. I don't. I don't think Atlanta, Philadelphia is going to be all that intriguing. Yeah. I like. I like the Hawks in that series, and they they certainly look good uh, in game number one. But I. But I really think highly of this one. I, I do. I, this is going to be a lot of a lot of intrigue, a lot of fun, and it will be interesting to see how the Jazz react to playing two absolute star players. I mean. I mean the the, the Grizzlies had. John Morant is uh, up and coming, and uh, Dylan Brooks had a nice series. But but these guys are going up against now. Kawhi Leonard is an absolute assassin, and uh, I, I want to see how they handle that. All right, so let, let's go through this. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll ignore the the Jazz Clippers for a moment. Who do you like? Bucks Nets. You know. The Bucks blew game one. They had that. They had an opportunity for that and did not quite take care of their business. What's the latest on James Harden? I've not seen. Austin? You seen anything? Uh, day-to-day. Yeah. Well, um, I, I guess I'll go with the Nets on that. Oh, excuse me. Ruled out of game two. Ruled out of game two. Man, I want to go with the Bucks so bad in that series. But that I feel like that's just what I want to see. <laughs> so I don't know how confident I am in that pick. I still... yeah, but that, 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 yeah, but the interesting thing about it is something you've brought up a thousand times, Jake, and that is can a team that plays the way the Nets do with their emphasis on the offensive end go all the way? Can they win playing no defense? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a fascinating experiment. It, it, it truly is. And you know what? It'll put the NBA on its ear if it works. <laughs> Well, it's a copycat situation, right? And but, I personally don't like the chase the super team thing. I just don't. I like the more organic feel. You know, of you you brought this up how the Jazz have put together this particular team. That that I guess is uh, I like that story better. But well, it, that's part of the Hooterville reference, really. It's going it's going back and building your own team. Yeah, you do make some additions, but the heart of your team is not. <laughs> 
they're not mercenaries that are brought in via some advantage you have in that regard. So I, I've got to admit, I'm, I'm rooting for the Bucks, but I don't know if I'm picking the Bucks. Who, who was I? Think it was Howard. We asked about this last week. Who said the Bucks do present a lot of unique stuff for the Nets because the Nets have zero answer yeah. for Giannis Antetokounmpo. So how how is that really going to go? What do you think? I, I mentioned that I think the Hawks are going to come uh, out of that series with uh, Philadelphia. That seems to be the popular pick. Did, did you find it uh, as delicious as I did that uh, they, they pretty much uh, did not match up Ben Simmons on Trey Young? <laughs> how, how so delicious? If he was really the best defensive player on the planet. <laughs> and, I, able, and able to cover all five every positions. Every position out there, I think you'd put him on the other team's most dynamic player, no? And then you, then he gave you a delectable dessert after the game. Oh, nice. When they, when they asked him about it, he said, well, if the referees will let me play physical, then I'll get, then it will be a different story. Oh, so you get to grab and hold him. Then, then okay. <laughs> uh, you get a handful of jersey and they let it go and you get to stay in front of him. What a shocker. But... I mean, I don't know about you, Gordon. I mean, I'm no NBA coach, but if I've got a defender that can take the other team's best player and limit uh, what they do, I'm probably going to do that. Okay, another question for you. What's uh, Embiid's uh, update? Is he able to go full tilt? Because I think the Sixers are a better team. I have not seen an update on Embiid. Yeah. So, uh, do you I, do you think the Sixers are a better team? I don't I, know if I'm convinced of that. I, I think I do. Yeah, that's just an opinion. But any particular reasoning? Well, I think Embiid is really, really good, and some of it. I mean, I, I've watched the Sixers play a few times this year, and uh, I was just impressed by what I saw. More impressed than I was with the Hawks. Man, the Hawks have but, been like the best the Hawks, team in the league I since understand. they changed their coach. I understand. And they played in that Knicks series, and not that I think the Knicks were anything to write home about, honestly. I think they were a cute story in the NBA, a cute little story oh, there in New York. Adorable. Uh, but uh, Atlanta played with such an edge, you know? Like uh, right down to their post-game comments when Clint Capella was basically lighting up the Knicks for being <laughs> fake tough guys, which I loved. You <laughs> love that stuff. And I think, I think uh, you've got a player in John Collins who was who was really terrific and was basically slapped in the face yes. by the franchise because yes. they did not give him the extension. <laughs> so he can be he's going to be a free agent. So he's going to go. He's extra motivated to go out there and and play. You I, mean Layton's own John Collins? He's from Layton. Yeah, he is. Stop what? it. He is. Yeah. Layton, Utah. Yeah, that's true. What do you mean from? Was he born born there? in Layton, Utah? Okay, yeah. but how long was he there? I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't matter. He wasn't a Layton, was he? No. He's much more cooler than that. Hey, the Laytones are not NBA players. Are didn't uh, who was it? It was uh, Julian Blackman that told us that the the Laytones were the coolest kids in school. Yeah, that was him being nice. He wasn't a Layton by choice. How about this? Uh, born September twenty third, nineteen ninety seven, in Layton, Utah, to John Collins Jr. and uh, Lyra Lyria. Collins? Was his dad in the Air Force? The Navy. Navy. Mother was in the Air Force. Ah. God, I didn't know that about him. That's cool. Sorry to set you off on that. No, but he comes from a military family. But a free agent to be, and technically from (laughs) Leighton. Yeah. Well, naturally, he's going to want to come home. (laughs) So do you think the Hawks are kicking themselves for that, or are they they glad that they've motivated him? 
<laughs> well, listen, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's got some stuff behind the scenes that make it more complicated. I don't know. You know, we don't cover the Hawks. I'm not. I don't mean to step out of my lane, but the way he's played this year, <laughs> and they've got a chance of losing him. Yeah, I would be. Well, then I put to answer your question, I put the Jazz Nugget. I mean, I'm sorry, the Jazz Clippers right up there with anything else that's going on. Nugget Suns isn't really doing it yeah, for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm interested just because the Suns are emerging the way they are. But uh, I, yeah, uh, this is the one that I would. If I if we didn't cover the Jazz the way we do, I'd still my eyes would be drawn to this. Especially after what we saw the what what happened with the Clippers against the Mavs. Think they'll be tired? <sighs> didn't we say that about uh, about Memphis? We talked about it. I don't know if we said it. <laughs> Is there a difference? <laughs> um well, we brought it up. Will they be tired? That's not saying they will be tired. Yeah, I don't know about the the rest versus rust in this situation, you know. But as we talked about before, it's every other day now, every single day. There's no break. So that, that'll that be interesting to see if one team gets – okay, let me ask you this question. Based on what we saw happen – between the Clippers and the Mavs, where it just seemed like almost split personality in the games. Do you think one, once one team gets on a roll in this particular scenario, that it will carry over? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's why I asked the question. Do you really believe in momentum or whatever? I don't know. I, I think the Clippers figured some stuff out in the last two games in that series. That's why I'm not expecting the emotional letdown that they had in the Dallas series. I'm expecting the Clippers to be right. Do you think that when the Clippers look at the the Jazz, they see themselves a little bit? I know the teams are different, but their emphasis on the three-point shot and spacing on the floor and getting the ball where it should be and taking that shot. I mean, there are similarities here. I know there are differences too, but you can see them. I would guess that the folks from Hollywood viewed the Jazz as this cute little team from Hooterville. And I'm not kidding. I, I'm sure. It's the it's the rest of the national media's attitude toward the Jazz. Oh, that's such a cute little it's record adorable. you got there. That's <laughs> Oh, that's so nice. Well, wait till you do it in the playoffs. <laughs> I haven't seen uh, the—have you seen a, a plethora of predictions about this series from yeah, so-called experts? Most of them picking the Clippers. Are they? Yeah. Interesting. That fits right into your narrative, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I would guess that's exactly how uh, uh, the the Clippers themselves are probably viewing it. Well, they be careful, man. You underestimate who you're going up against. You could get slapped down hard. All right, we've got a market update coming up next. Chris Mannix at four. It's the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. This 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 is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know, I was babysat until eighth grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school, and Dolores, her husband, yeah, like he got like two hundred twenty pound eighth grade hands. Would Can we not focus room? on that? You walk in like, hey, Dolores. Hi, Hans. I think it's funny the thought of a eighth grade Hans Olsen probably pushing two bills, <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys, let me know when you're done <laughs> so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways, her husband, Don, liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch watching MASH. Hey, (laughs) Don, can can I borrow your shaver? (laughs) 
Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey guys. Jake here from my friends at Peach Building Products. And listen, these guys are amazing. They are a locally owned and operated company. They are passionate Utah jazz fans. They are listeners to the station. Their owner, Cindy, is absolutely wonderful. Peach Building Products is Utah's premier window and door retailer, combining beauty and technology on windows and doors since 1993. You will be blown away at what they can do for you. Custom work, whatever you're looking to have done, they can do it. You need to get in and check out their beautiful showroom just off of 3rd West and 2940 South. See for yourself the selection of windows and doors. You can also log on peachbuildingproducts.com. They have over 250 five star reviews on Google and Cindy listen she just prioritizes customer service her theory uh, they talk to people if you call them they answer and speak with you because the customer is the most important and that of course is rare in today's business climate climate they are a turnkey window and door company uh, from sales to installation they'll take care of you no subcontractors no ghosting no funny business they are amazing uh, check out what they can do for you again uh, uh, you can go online, peachbuildingproducts.com. They've got a great website. You can go to their showroom, 2940 South, 300 West, or call them. Talk to them, 801-556-1255. That's 801-556-1255, Peach Building Products. What do you want? You're locked on to the big show, presented by Big O Tires. Just doing it big, you know. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a market update brought to you by TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. Gordon, how did uh, the markets do today? How did we start the week? Well, a mixed bag, Jake. The Dow was off 126 points. Horse poop. The NASDAQ was up over 67 points. You will love it. And if you don't, check yourself. The S&P was off three points, and it was not pleasant. Hmm. Okay. So there you have it. All right, up and down. Threw me a curveball there, Gordo. Did I not listen yeah. to what you said? <laughs> okay, though. <laughs> Sorry. I was trying to remember what you said. Uh, Jake, did you say that um, there was a certain individual just outside somewhere? Oh, yeah, Carl Malone. About an hour ago, his uh, his son, K.J. Malone, tweeted out a video of Carl uh, sitting underneath his statue, smoking a cigar. I would assume that means Carl's probably in town to go to the game tomorrow, wouldn't you think? Man, I just missed him. We just missed him when we came Yeah, right. In. Yeah, we did just that miss him. That would have been fun to run into Carl, wouldn't it? If only he had sure. heard what you said about him in the break. What did I say? I didn't say anything about Carl Malone. Oh, yeah, you did. I did? We were talking about a... A certain column a back certain, in the day. A series uh, uh, back in the day. 
and a second, <laughs> wait, a certain wait. second half of a certain he, second he, he game. Stri- he struggled in in a half of a game. All right, but you know. used some very critical language in the break. What? I said the Jazz should have won that series. Mm. Hey man, the man has a statue out there. <laughs> I on know. That plaza. I know. I didn't say it. Do you know that they originally wanted to put those statues in the, on the plaza? What, you change the subject over you that did way. Change the subject. Jordan's like, to- good thing you didn't choke on the cigar. <laughs> yeah, right. In the in the north in the north uh, east plaza, that's where they wanted to put the statues, but they determined that there wasn't room. Fun fact from Gordon: Where's our where's our Oh, I hate thing. that drug. Gordon's Fun Facts. Fun Facts with Gordon. You hate my, that drug? Yeah. Who came Why? Up with that? It just sounds goofy. They're actually trying to sell it. Gordon's Fun <laughs> Facts. They should. Yeah. That'd be a great I thing know, to just sell. just say it differently. It's Why? Just, I don't like the way it sounds. I love it. I think Ben nailed it. I do, too. And he did it for free, which is my favorite <laughs> price. I just think it's, uh, it's funny. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, yeah, you know, they, uh, we're going to build that on the other side. Gordon's well, Fun Facts. Fun Facts with Gordon. Uh, Larry, Larry Miller told me that, that they wanted to build it over there. Since we were talking about Carl, and Carl was out by his statue, that's why I brought it up. Didn't you say they chose not to do it over there because it would distract traffic no. or some such? No, there wasn't enough room. Over there, I thought what, you used to say because it would be no, like scary for the no because you, you thought they were scary. You you miss? <laughs> I never said that. Yeah, you did. I did not. The statues are scary. No, I, I I said one time I looked up at them, they looked a little scary, but that's not why. That's not why Larry said that they weren't put on the main plaza over there. So there wasn't room for them. What's scary about them? Have you ever really looked at them? Looked at them in the face? Criticizing the artist's work here? No, not at all. It's My just... two-year-old uh, came and visited me the other day here, and she looked in their faces and was just fine. <laughs> That's not like it was, maybe it's just she. The right she made time me hold night. her up so she could hit the ball. <laughs> Do you know they're hollow? Really? Yeah, I didn't know they were hollow. I thought they were solid, but they're hollow. It's not. I mean, a lot better than that horrible Ronaldo statue, right? <laughs> With the, the face that <laughs> looks, looks like he was melted yeah. by Indiana Jones, <laughs> he looks nothing like him. Well, Austin, it's not like uh, it's not like Michelangelo did. I mean, they're not carved out of metal. They they are hollow. They're molded. What? Did they, you don't think it's metal? No, it's metal. It's just not solid metal. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. Oh. There's another fun fact. Hit that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gordon's fun facts. Fun facts with Gordon. I, just, I was I was uh, surprised to hear an echo as she hit the ball. Bung bung bung. Yeah. You know who does a good job with likenesses is that dude that does uh, down in Utah County. It does yeah. all the. That's the guy that that's did these. Oh, is it did? the same yeah. dude? I don't think it is. I thought it is Brian something or other. Isn't yeah, I that? did. I did a column on him once. Went down to his studio and he showed me everything he had. And they're a really talented guy. He for sure did the bust of Larry Miller. That's here in the building. Mm. So he and he does there. all the, the Hall of Fame busts, yeah, doesn't he? he? Does. Yeah, he does. Anything else? No. <laughs> I don't think it was the same guy. It's not. I don't think so. Was Carl smoking a cigar out there? He was smoking a cigar. He has a, his own cigar company, right? Uh, that's that's true. Yeah. I think he does. What, what's, yeah. it, what's it called? I don't remember, but Joe Burrow, uh, when he won the uh, LSU, the national title, he was smoking a Carl Malone cigar. Is it called a Carl Malone? 
No, but that's it's his company. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's it called? Look at their faces under a certain light. Oh, yeah, they're called Carl Malone Barrel. The Carl Malone Cigar. So there you go. You ever smoked a cigar? It features an Ecuadorian wrapper and binder with a blend of Peruvian, Dominican, and Nicaraguan tobacco. Oh. So they really import all that stuff from all over and then roll that thing up? I don't know that. I've never smoked a cigar. Is it? Uh, I mean, I've been around people who have smoked cigars. Are you a cigar smoker? I have smoked cigars, but no, I am not a. Cigar and did smoker. you enjoy it? Mm, no, it's I mean it's all right. It's, it's okay. I mean, it, it, it's more the like sit around and have a cigar with your buddy. Like it's more about the experience than it is enjoying like the the particular cigar yeah, at least okay. in yeah. my experience the last time i was in san diego uh i was i was my wife and her sister were shopping and so i just sat down outside a cigar store mm-hmm. and these four elderly gentlemen who do nothing with their day except go down to that cigar store and sit on the 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 pier and smoke and talk and joke at look out at uh-huh. the ocean so i just saddled up next to them and heard some amazing stories as they smoked their cigars and i thought you know maybe i should smoke a cigar so They're having a great time. So if you if you were sitting next to somebody, uh, would you prefer that they smoke a cigarette, a cigar, or a pipe? First, oh, I'd say a pipe just so I could have the experience of seeing someone actually use a pipe in real life. Pipe pipe tobacco smells the best out of those. Does it? It's yeah. kind of sweet, isn't it? Depends on the type of pipe tobacco. But I right. just have never seen a real pipe in, in, <laughs> I've in got real a, life. I've got a buddy who's really into pipe Like tobacco. an old sea captain? Yeah, <laughs> he just... He's into it. I guess I didn't include, you know, weed. That certainly has a unique smell. Yeah, I'm a sucker for grass. You can you you pick that out in a hurry. By the way, the dude who does the the NFL Hall of Fame, Blair Buswell. Yeah. Oh, not not the same guy. The really good guy, Brian Chali, C H L A L L I S, did the statues here on the Mm. plaza. They're big. Not the same guy. They're but big, it is Brian. Big. I got that part. Yeah, that part is correct. They're big, but they're hollow. Coming up next, Chris Mannix, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.